You're listening to Grumpire with your hosts, Elby and Andrew. Hey, everybody. Hi. Wait, are you everybody? I'm every woman. Oh, like that song. It's all in me. Oh, okay. Uh, you being Lady Grumpire, me being Sir Grumpire, or whatever you have. I don't know. You're... I've never referred to us as that before. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. We, we live in Grumpire Manor. Sir and Lady Grumpire. <laughs> Lord and Lady. Lord and Lady. Lord and Lady Grumpire. Lady yes. and Lord, as it were, because this was your whole deal, and I jumped on to help out. <laughs> okay. So, let's get this out of the way. T-shirts, merchandise, stuff related to Grumpire. You may go to tpublic.com slash users slash Grumpire and peruse what we've got up there. It's stuff mostly from the website, but we've got a brand new uh, semi-vampire-themed Grumpire design. Mm -hmm. It's kind mm -hmm. of a drippy, icky, ooky, spooky. There's a blood one, and there's an ectoplasm variant. So head on over there, or just go to at Grumpire Online on Twitter, and you can see how to get to that stuff easily as well. So there, done. Advertisement out of the way. It's not really an advertisement, because it's us, but go. Okay, so on today's show, we have a guest named Spencer Seams. Spencer! And you may know Spencer from uh, his podcast that each season he does a different subject. So this particular season, he's doing French New Wave. So it's called Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. Before that, he did do seasons on Kurosawa and Spike Lee. So a, a, a big range of things going on for Spencer, which is cool. He also shows up in other people's podcasts like uh, Projection Booth and yeah. Movie from hell so <laughs> he was on projection booth recently they do african august and oh. he was on there talking about tuki buki which i think just got a criterion release or was just announced as going to be uh, hmm. re-released or something i don't know i don't keep up with the criterions anymore keeping up with the criterions is that a yeah e entertainment television original show it is featuring not. the criterion family it is not chloe uh, kim <laughs> chloe criterion, criterion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want to keep up with the criterions anymore. I'm I'm over it. They're passe. I mean good. <laughs> I haven't seen many things or most things that I've uh, been too interested in on right. their list right. in a while. And anything that I think might be interesting coming up with their stupid hint thing, it's not. So <laughs> yeah. really? I don't even know if they did one for 2021. I don't think they did. I don't, I don't did. remember. I didn't see it anyway. I, did, I didn't either. You know, so. Criter Criterion just like is not the arbiter of what's cool anymore. Like they used to like be edgy and stuff, but forget it. Cutting edge. Yeah. Yeah, I did mean cutting edge. They, they should put out the movie, The Cutting Edge. <laughs> Why aren't and they? Cutting edge too, uh, yeah. as a bonus feature. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Come on, Criterion. Rom-coms serve up too. <laughs> Uh, speaking of rom-coms, yeah. Spencer's brought us a couple of titles here that are like last episodes, <laughs> but totally different. Revenge-themed. So, mm -hmm. uh, why don't we get to it? Hello, Spencer. Oh, hello. So, like, why don't you like Mandy? Under the crimson, primordial sky, the wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I need you to get me that girl I saw. Do you know what to do? You're a special one, Mandy. 
I too am a special one. Let us be so very special together. So what are you gonna do with that thing? Going hunting. So what you hunting? It's crazy evil. You're so in love. I'll show you love. Oh man, they robbed you. You exceed the cosmic darkness. It glowed from within. Strange and eternal. You're gonna make so many people mad. <laughs> yeah. I am well aware. So I've seen it three times, and each time mm-hmm. I like it nobly less. <laughs> and first time I fell asleep, and it's one of those like I ain't going back. I don't <laughs> feel like it. And this time I paid closer attention, and it's just like I re- I can pinpoint why exactly I don't like this movie at all. Okay. It feels like Jim Jarmusch, but but like if he was trying to do like an '80s quote unquote cult movie. Which, hmm, because it ha- has that. S- but he did movies in the eighties <laughs> that were cult. You know movies. I mean, like him trying to do like a culty horror movie eighties tribute thing. Okay. Okay, so uh, nostalgia. Yes. Type thing, but as if it was done by Jarmusch. Okay. Yeah. And I don't talk about this because, like, I don't know, like, it's stupid to like be like, I don't want people, I don't want people not think I'm cool or but like. I can't stand Jarmusch movies. <laughs> I've only been able to sit through one, and the rest I turn off at 45 minutes in because I'm like, oh, it's over. And then I check the time like, oh, f*** <laughs> this. I, I can't handle it. Hey, so what uh, Jarmusch movie was it? Um, The one one I could finish? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Dog. Cause, uh, Riz- uh, d- did you like it at all? No. <laughs> I like the music. Okay. You like the music. Okay. And, and, Fair enough. Yeah, it's Riza, and I, I'm a big Wu-Tang fan, so... Mm-hmm. That's mm. that's the reason I was like, well, Rizzo's involved, so I, I kind of have to watch it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. LB, c- cigarettes, uh, coffee and cigarettes, is that the thing that you um, had? Yeah, well. Yeah. It was, it was a, a screener, screener. But, I, I mean, that's the, <laughs> that was my introduction to him. But he's, Okay, so this is cool because this is one of the reasons why we do this podcast, because it gives people the opportunity to say things that are, like, they're kind of afraid to admit. And that's a perfect example because Jim Jarmusch is like revered by everybody, like across the board, you know, and then like... He's the Anthony Bourdain <laughs> right. of Right. Um, so for Spencer to say that, especially to Andrew, I'm going to out Andrew, like Andrew does not <laughs> like him at all. So I, I think <laughs> it's awesome. I'm trying to think of any Jim Jarmusch movies that I do like. <laughs> so this is just... It's I can't a perfect think of example of like why people should be allowed to say that they don't like things so they can find other people who also don't like those things. <gasps> Wait, <laughs> I, I, the one that I do like. Yeah. Dead Man. Yeah, Dead, Dead Man's Man. great. I liked Dead Man. Dead Man is really good. Cowboy mm-hmm. movie. That's the one I, I like. I like Mystery Train, okay. but... Right, but that that just has a cool to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, The movie's yeah. not cool. Like, it has a cool to yeah. it, but it's not Overall... Cool. It's all aesthetic. Overall, his his over. I don't really care. Boring. I don't really care. But. Dull. Yeah. <laughs> so he did jump into foray of doing genre stuff, and that was um, the dead don't breathe or upside down dance, whatever they call. It. What is it? What's the name of that movie? The the uh, zombie movie that Jarmusch the, did. Dead don't die. Dead don't die. Uh, I, I said dance. That would be a much better movie. Yeah. 
and but, the vampire one, which uh, right. I, I love uh, Tola, that, and I love the cast of that one. It's a like, fall man. asleep movie. Mm-hmm. I put yeah, it on exactly. and I fell asleep. <laughs> so he does do those things, but he's still he, the zombie one's the closest one to, I guess, trying to be like a movie that came before it, uh, like a Romero zombie movie. What if Jarmusch yeah. did a Romero zombie movie? It would be boring, like Romero zombie movies. But oh, oh, more oh, boring. Oh, thank God someone else finds his movies boring. <laughs> See? See? Oh, yeah. I'm the most honest <laughs> film watcher ever. It's it's true. I am. And maybe not the most. You're probably. <laughs> we're the most honest film watchers then. Okay. Yay. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, Romero. Like, I, I, I love Night Riders and the rest. I'm like, I just Oh, no. Get out of here. Get off of my show. Okay. Night Riders. It, Night so Riders. Sin- it's so sincere and silly. I can't help but be like, well, I love okay, sincere if, and silly. Look, you just admitted to something. You said it's sincere and silly. So yes. the earnestness in it and, and the silliness is okay. I can get behind your reasoning. I still can't stand the thing. But, yeah, but I mean, the, at least the, you have a reason. Yeah, other the than zombie, the zombie ones Romero. are just like, I get the metaphor. I just mm. kind of. This doesn't interest me at all. No subtlety. Yeah. yeah. The subtlety of a hammer. <laughs> the point is, Jarmusch did that, right? Uh, he tried to do that, but it still didn't have the 80s-ness to it because he's just doing Jarmusch riffing on a motif. So I'm trying to get around. So the Jarmusch pacing... Of Mandy? The nothing happening... Yes. Cause I, I is find the... Oh, sorry. The Mandy thing? I'm sorry yeah, that the, I'm not so eloquent yet. <laughs> It's fine. It might this, happen. This, this like my main issue with Mandy is this like uh, take all the vin- all the visual parts except for the music, which I kind of find boring. It's everything about it I should like on paper, but sitting down to watch it, it's just like, man, I just can't get into this, and it makes me want to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Beyond the Black Rainbow? Uh, not yet, but I don't know how I respond to it if this is like this guy's thing. <laughs> Oh, Panos. Uh, yeah, whatever. it's Panos Cosmatos. His dad Cosmatos. is George Cosmatos. He is a legacy. Uh, his dad was the director of Leviathan, I do believe. And uh, dad Tombstone. R- Rambo First Blood Three. Part Rambo two? Sec- 2, yeah. yeah first Blood Yeah, the, the best sequel Okay. to Rambo. I'm not going to argue with that. I like the third one. The fourth one, excuse <laughs> me, but maybe because it's just too brutal Um, last blood is yeah yeah, has 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 two good moments and the rest is like why why does it exist why is it even Mm -hmm. a thing yes i agree i haven't seen the uncut version though maybe there's three good parts then who knows but george did some really uh solid stuff in the 80s and some of the 90s but he was very much a um director who like in tombstone it was kurt russell's movie he directed it, but George was on set being the director, quote unquote. Mm. So you have um, the boy, Panos, growing up in the 80s, and he says that he was not allowed to watch a bunch of different genre movies. And so he he's roughly our age, you know, between 45 and 40, I guess. And I don't know how old you are, LB's. And me, I just aged us. So, um, <clears throat> I I just turned thirty a couple days ago. Oh, you're a little baby. Aww. Happy birthday! Missed your birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, off my two days. Pink that bottom <laughs> thirty times. Pink, 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 pink. 
Okay, uh, and one to grow on. So, like, grew up, like, in, in this wiggle room that we have where he was not allowed to watch, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, I guess various 70s exploitation that featured uh, Manson knockoffs. I don't know. So, and Heavy Metal, the movie Heavy Metal. Uh, mm. So he mixed all this stuff into one script, and SpectreVision came to him after he did uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow and was like, anything that you want to do, we'll help produce it. Anything. Just just name it. So he named this thing, and they got Legion M, which is a an online sort of crowdsourcing uh, producer website um, to also co-fund the thing. So it's made by a bunch of people on the internet and SpectreVision. Yeah, and Panos. But um, I think he has all these really incredible ingredients, including the Hellraiser bikers. The second time that I saw it was just like the other day. And the Hellraiser biker stuff is a lot more Hellraiser bikery than I remembered it being. I couldn't stand the movie after I first saw it, by the way. Yeah. Hmm. I was really surprised that you bought the Blu-ray. Like, I know you bought it for really cheap, but you said you bought it, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What? Why?" Yeah, you were mad at me. Why? And I was like, because it was it was dirt, and I wanted to watch it again, and I didn't want to log in on somebody else's shutter. I didn't. I'm sorry. I actually do like the visual aesthetic of the film. Mm-hmm. I quite do. Mm-hmm. I always say it. I'm an illustrator. I draw things, so I respond to visuals very much, uh, and it's got good, strong visuals, but. It's mostly style over substance. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's, some, that's something that I think can work in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always bring it up, but Seijun Suzuki is one of my favorite one of my favorite directors ever. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of the most famous stuff is this, like, pure style without much substance. But, like, for some reason, with, like, Suzuki and, like, Tinto Brass stuff, like, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But, like... Well, I mean, Tinto Brass, uh, his style <laughs> is uh it, depending on who you are very appealing um <laughs> yeah because his style involves a bunch of naked ladies so uh have, have you seen salon kitty not I yet still no, haven't seen not it that yet. one I still have not watched all it. right well salon kitty has a lot of naked men <laughs> okay ah. no no a lot of his movies actually have a lot of naked men too but uh in, in italy you can't have an erect phallus be male like uh, obviously be like actually part of his true anatomy so they use a lot of uh prop phallus in mm. miranda or cosi Fantuti or something like that they use fakies for the men but i, mm. I guess if they're run, run around flaxed uh, they're probably not fake mm-hmm. mm. yeah i think there's sallow uses fake ones too yeah, um, Caligula. That wasn't even his work. Whenever it went hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah, that was that. that was Bob Guccione storming the set after dark, getting a bunch of porn actors and prostitutes and studs. I don't know monsters <laughs> to do the job, yeah. and it's pretty. Yeah, yeah Tinto like, was uh, like, "That's not my work. I didn't do it." Yeah, I mean, if you, just watch Long Kitty, and you'll and you'll realize, oh, that's what that what Caligula was supposed to be. But. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Didn't happen. Yeah, All right. Yeah. It's definitely on our watch list, but we just yeah, haven't gotten but, to it yet. So. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, Flaxid, uh-huh. what do you think of the cult dude in this movie? 
Yeah, like, I find Mandy so forgettable that the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that was his penis. <laughs> like, like I heard people talking about, oh, you see, you see a penis in the movie afterwards. And I heard, I liked all the horror people, like, uh-huh. gush over. I was like, what are they talking about? I saw the movie. There was no penis. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't notice it until a third time. Because, like... <laughs> a third actually, time? Because I had to actually take notes so I actually could remember why I watched. Oh. I, wow. I didn't remember it either. Like I, I'm sure that I noticed it the first time we watched it, but it just it, it just got completely erased from my memory because when we watched it again for this recording, I was sort of confused, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I remembered this entire movie, but I remembered it a lot worse yeah. than the second time. Yeah, that's true. So it didn't irk me as much as I remembered it did the first time. So all right, so. Just to go back over real quick, your your thing is on paper it should work for you, but in film it doesn't. Yes. It feels like Jim Jarmusch's glacial pacing. Yes. The music is too ambient for your like because it throws you into sleep mode, right? I don't know. So like uh, ambient music, I'm kind of is for me real hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I'm more well. The main thing I don't well musically like the the King Crimson is that that band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, that was the first song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that song I, uh, not 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 a fan. Like I I like once the singing starts, like oh my god, just stop stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, King Crimson is the aren't they like some prog rock doom glam Satan I, metal I'm, or something? I mainly know like death metal, black metal, and like hardcore hip hop, mm-hmm. and like that's per in in jazz and other stuff too. But like. Anything in between, like, I really have no idea. Like, I just recently, knowingly for the first time, heard uh, the Morrissey band. The Smiths. The Q- that one, yeah. <laughs> you just for the first time heard of, heard this uh, Smiths song or album? What? The first time I was aware of it, because I've heard of Morrissey for a while, and I was like, I don't know who that person is besides that he's a racist. And then I heard of, it's in Demons too. I was thinking, like, this guy sounds like sounds like a Muppet. <laughs> and oh, yeah. And I learned, oh, that's Morrissey. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, he sounds, sounds like a Muppet. Muppet. Yeah, it does. That much is true. <laughs> <laughs> so does this movie at all fit into any kind of personal aesthetic that you have? Because, like, I, I know that so many horror people love Mandy because it's got, you know, a, a fantasy, heavy metal kind of outer space sort of thing going on like does this fit into anything that you like as far as aesthetics go yes i love the color palette i like the crazy weird visuals i like that it just like it's like all all the visual parts i i pretty much like i like nick cage like i don't think he's a bad actor Mm -hmm. i think he's just a very particular type of personality to deal with and some people do not know how to deal with that type personality they're like let him go too crazy and mm-hmm. it's like well what, what are you, what are you gonna get like you, you have to like it, it's a it's a very particular flavor that can work well but uh, but like so yes so like uh, it's like aesthetically like these are all things i like but i just my brain rejects it when i watch it <laughs> so it is how it is put into the blender in what order the elements are and then it's turned into a, this uh, kind of barf that you don't mm-hmm. like instead of a milkshake that you do right yeah mm. and that happens sometimes i mean sometimes like there are just things that seem yeah we did that yeah like 
recently. Every every ingredient seems like something that you just love. It's like no, made like literally, we did you. this last week, Elvie. Are you talking about what are you talking about? I mixed Bloody Marys for us. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Those were terrible. And it wasn't my fault. <laughs> it was <laughs> We were we were trying to make um, okay. micheladas out of this super salty uh go is it gose or goes i don't know how to say it because it's because i'm not I, i'm, I'm not a beer person it doesn't have an apostrophe okay which is like a oh, or it doesn't have an accent it's I like mean. a super sour style german beer thing and it's nasty it's so sour like you can't it's called salty lady yeah so lb was really attracted to the <laughs> can art she's like that's a beer for me that was salty lady. I'm a salty lady. <laughs> yeah and and you know i like i like salty beer you know we've been on this the pickle yeah, we've beers. been on the quest to like try as many of the, the the now trendy pickle juice beers so it's anyway those are good anyway andrew tried to make micheladas which is like um kind of like a bloody mary but you use beer instead of vodka and <laughs> with the with the, with salty, the salty beer lady yeah it, it was really awful really it was really worse terrible we ended up but looking at it looking at the ingredients it would have worked yeah. if it wasn't the salty lady if it was some other more milder yes thing. maybe the pickle beer would have worked it would have worked with the pickle yeah beer. probably so man so um, mandy is the salty lady yeah there's something yeah. what element in mandy is the salty lady is it just panos himself is he is panos cosmatos the salty lady hmm. because he put know. it all together or is he me <laughs> putting it all together and not getting the the right ratio of mix and maybe it was my fault lb i'm sorry <laughs> but so is panos mm-hmm. me making the michelada or is he the salty lady i don't That's know that that might, that might mean watching it a fourth time which i really don't think <laughs> I, I will do anytime soon I, come you on know, watch it now. You know, i think I think probably Panos is the salty lady because so just reading up on on Panos himself recently yes. and he's very much uh, anti cults which I, I find is interesting because Beyond the Black Rainbow is about a cult Mandy's about a cult a tech, it's a tech well it's a sort of it's a tech cult right. it's a it's one of those uh, Cronenberg crafted yeah, sort yeah. of institution type places which runs uh-huh. like a cult so where that comes from is i i'm pretty sure maybe when he was a kid maybe his dad was involved in something like a um you know there's like 70s self-help like i'm okay you're okay the, or like, like what or spirit of 76 uh, rob reiner's cameo you're an asshole <laughs> you're an asshole you're an asshole and you're yeah. an asshole like the things that the brood is based on you know like there's weird just you just said Cronenberg. yeah yeah, yeah. so I- anyway like i get the feeling that maybe george the dad was involved in something like that and panos just hated it because he's hmm. just really anti-cult and like i didn't realize this um lb you might be you might be spreading a rumor yeah I, don't could know. Be, I mean this is completely speculation completely but okay thank you for saying yeah it. like it just it, it makes sense to me but you know yeah i could be making it up hmm. but anyway knowing now that i know that panos doesn't like cults that makes me feel just, better about he's got two movies 
Yeah, yeah, because I thought that he was just kind of trying to glorify is not the best word, but like he was trying to just, you know, people have a fascination with that kind of thing and like trying to just make it interesting or, or, or neat or whatever. So I was sort of anti Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy for those reasons, because like, oh yeah, another cult story, another cool cult story, whatever. But um, Okay, wait, LB, uh-huh. so if you don't mind, like you're thinking, I think what you're kind of referring to is the void yeah where the void has this menacing white kind of white sheeted cloak sort of cult where they're all wearing the same kind of white sheets and cloaks with this little portal in the where the eyes are Mm -hmm. so they're just menacingly standing there in front of the police precinct or whatever the hospital whatever it was i forget and then inside there's some horror stuff going on Mm -hmm. and they get closer and closer and they are a cult Mm -hmm. but it amounts to kind of just style and nothing more yeah Yeah. is that uh, what you're referencing yeah kind of going off the cult thing and also like manny to me it feels like it's it's a very forced like we're making a midnight movie cult movie thing like it, it it doesn't feel organic Right. All right. Well, I think there's the missing scenes which mm-hmm. help the film feel organic. Right. Right. That that's kind of like what I was getting at. I was taking the long way to get to it, but so Panos is maybe just like trying to focus too much on the message of cults are terrible and bad, and I hate them, and not focusing enough on developing his characters to make us care whether or not the cult hurts them. Yeah, right. And uh, I, I do like revenge movies, and a big part of why I like in good revenge movies is there's always a character or two and that, that'll come up in the next movie we talk about who's always like are you sure you want to do this uh-huh. and mandy there's no character to like stop um nick cage and be like are, are you sure about this because you all you get is bill duke being like go go kill him yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go kill. Oh, also those are arrows that you need for the yeah, and I made them myself, and they go through anything. Uh, yeah. Also, let me explain to you a little bit more about those bad guys you want to kill, so that you'll be prepared. <laughs> like, yes, you're right. <laughs> and the extended scene has just a little bit of dialogue that's actually inconsequential. What the stuff that's missing from the movie is two scenes. Uh, some fun while they're in the kitchen making food and actually she seems like a very pleasant person to be around Mm -hmm. and they're just goofing off that's them being cute together and then you're you're on their side just when you see a couple being cute together unless you're a jaded horrible heartless person you're gonna kind of feel like you might like that for yourself or you can relate to it when you've ever been cute with your significant other and so on so you watch the scene and it helps you relate to these characters. They're being cute together. Cut from the movie. The only thing that's in the movie like that is them speaking quietly, somberly to each other in bed. Mm-hmm. I think he cut it for redundancy, but it's not redundant. It actually fortifies the relationship. And that scene in, when they're just laying next to each other in bed is very dull and boring. You can hardly hear what they're saying. And there's a little bit of humor to it, but there's not much to pick up on. The second scene that they cut is the sheriff showing up. And this is where you get a lot of backstory about the two characters. She's a perceived hussy. The town's bicycle, they say. Everybody's had a ride. And he's an alcoholic who's had too many runs in with the law. And the sheriff hates both of them. Mm-hmm. And he's hassling him. And you see Nick Cage get all weird, stifling his rage. 
in a very strange laugh at the sheriff, but this sets up so much as to why these two are together, as to their connection and bond with each other, coupled with the, the cute scene of them in the kitchen. It works so much foundationally for the film. And he cut it out. Yep. Why did he cut it out? For time? Who knows? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Elijah Wood didn't like it. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Elijah. It's all your fault. <laughs> we brought up earlier, it's kind of like an 80s nostalgia a little bit. Like, I didn't realize this was set in the 80s until this watch. Wait, yeah. it, wait. That's something I noticed this time, too. How did you notice? Tell me what it is, because I didn't. Uh, I think Rad is listening to a radio, and it's like, like a Reagan speech. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, and wait. Then... I did notice yeah. that. Part. Yeah, and, and then, then I ignored it. <laughs> and then I, I read some other stuff online. I was like, oh wait, this is actually set in the eighties. Like that never occurred to me until mm-hmm. this time. But yeah, I didn't get. I don't. I don't think I got it the first time either. Beyond the Black Rainbow is set in nineteen eighty three. So he has this thing. Yeah, and like personally, I'm just kind of tired of the whole eighties nostalgia thing. Which I don't partially is like I didn't grow up with it. It's mm-hmm. just something that was I've known about since I was maybe a teenager because mm-hmm. that's. I think when, like, the 80s nostalgia stuff really started to happen. Because I feel like that's... When I was in high school, that's when you got, like, the Fright Night remake. And that was, like, I feel like the beginning of, like, the like the nostalgia craze that we're stuck in now. I think Super 8 came out when I was in high school, too. Yeah. Super 8, Spielberg nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the remake, and, though, the, the remake of Fright Night isn't actually made in a nostalgic way, which is nice. But that it is actually just a remake of an old classic. Mm-hmm. That would be the nostalgia. Right. Yeah. 80s nostalgia is crazy to me because there's so many different categories, <laughs> I guess, to 80s nostalgia. Because when you think about it a lot, you think about, like, the guys who are really into, like, Ghostbusters or Goonies or, you know, like, that kind of, like, really, really mainstream monster squad yeah, like really mainstream 80s nostalgia but sometimes we don't remember that like people really <laughs> this is gonna sound dumb we don't remember that people really love john carpenter like <laughs> of course of course they do right but like uh, you know it's just a different type of 80s nostalgia that is kind of uh i guess not as present in our minds and that's what this movie taps into is that like dark horse 80s yeah, yeah but it's also it's also um, the 80s that never existed. Yeah, that's that too. Uh, so, so 80s that never existed. These kids have memories of uh, what? What's it called? Retro wave. Retro future. That's the style of music. Retro future. Re- no, the, the music. Oh retro yeah, wave. retro wave. So Va- retro wave is a style wave. of music. Vapor wave. Vapor wave was kind of existed because vapor wave is that or that Japanese stuff. Yeah. Right. So that existed in the 80s too at the same time. But Retrowave mostly didn't, and it was in a few movies. But those few movies, most people really didn't get to see because they were limited release or there were VHS stuff that not a lot of people actually remember. But they discovered online later, so they, they build this false memory of this 80s or a time that they think had all this stuff. So when you watch a nostalgia show, they cram as much nostalgia into it and when we were there as it was happening it wasn't cram packed like that it didn't look set designed it didn't sound hmm. curated by a music supervisor it just was mm-hmm. and so these movies come off this one in particular has this huge artifice to it i don't mind it because it's a graphic sort of uh, illustrative type of thing what i do mind 
is the animations in the film. Oh, right. I don't mm. like those at all. I, do you remember those? I mean, you saw this three times. <laughs> do you yeah, remember I, the animation? Uh, nope. It was a surprise <laughs> on the third time. <laughs> it's okay. You still don't remember him. Wow. Because she's an illustrator, which is really cool. It's neat. They don't spend enough time establishing that she's an illustrator. She's an illustrator. She paints these uh, unicorns and sword and sorcery sort of thing. Uh, that kind of painting. Yeah, like for Frank Frazetta stuff. Yeah, sort of like that. Uh, a little Lisa Frank, too. Uh, not as spastic and girly as Lisa Frank. But anyway, she does that. And then his dream sequences post her murder are animated and the animation is supposed to look like the movie heavy metal which was supposed to look like that kind of painting but animated however the movie never looked good like that i'll go on record heavy metal the movie isn't very good as far as the graphic representation of what it's supposed to be on the page Hmm. only one short does but that's what it's supposed to be referencing and it misses just like so it hits actually but it misses just like Heavy Metal the movie looks not so great. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to that. And I'm like, but that doesn't look like her paintings. But these are his dreams are supposed to be her paintings come to life. Why don't you just have her standing there with the cool background? And then her face fall off. Like, that's what the dream was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do that with a special effect. Uh, and the face fall off is totally a, a, a poltergeist thing. Mm-hmm. But in animation? That's not cool, dude. Yeah. Just, it's I, dumb. I mean, like it. Yeah. Just do a do a, do a real prosthetic thing. It would have been badass. Yeah. It would have been really effective. Yeah. What the John Carpenter thing? I like John Carpenter. Like I like the, like the golden period stuff, and after that, I don't really bother with. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people do. I used to l- listen to a lot of horror podcasts, and I've kind of stopped because they're kind of all the same. They're redundant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little samey. And uh, a recurring thing that pops up is this constant, like, oh, John Carpenter is the best director ever. And it kind of reached a point where it's like, 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 like I'm a Kubrick, where it's like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah, yeah. Can, you, can we move on to something else? <laughs> yeah. I don't even think Carpenter thinks he's the best director ever. A lot of fans do. Oh. Well, we no, he he's not so full of himself. He just doesn't care. Yeah. People come to him and they're like, hey, The Rock is going to be in the newest. Uh, what do you think about it? Uh, did you sign off on it? The newest uh, version of Big Trouble in Little China. Are you okay with it? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. They wrote me a check. <laughs> that is his take on it. He wants to just hang out, play music, and play video games with his kids and grandkids. That's all he wants to do. He doesn't care anymore about his old movies he just if you're gonna present it or do a remake give him money yeah i mean even like people always bring up like whenever someone asks about the thing it's like why would you ask him about that yeah like it's clear he doesn't want to talk about it it was a failure it, it still seems to hurt him on some level and so it's one of the things like come on like the, it, <laughs> wow. can, can, can't people just move on people <laughs> no but i got a chance to say something to my favorite director <laughs> people just want to try to get him to say something mean to them like, they just <laughs> want to hear him being like a gruff grumpy old dude it's like being christened yeah so performance wise do you think uh nicholas cage really brought his a game or do you think otherwise what do you think about that uh, for me it's a middle of the road nick cage performance what's a it's, top tier for me it's wild at heart okay okay fair enough Cause that, that, yes because like that's probably my favorite lynch movie mm-hmm. which is blasphemy to some people but it's nah. just how nah. i feel you're good 
you're good here. That's like the perfect like manic Nick Cage because like he beats a man to death in an opening scene. Yeah. But then you get to see like the full emotional range and like that's the perfect way to use Nick Cage. And then the F stuff like like some of his like director DVD post tax issues things where it's like oh he kind of is like the the person here didn't know how to direct him so he comes off really boring. Mm-hmm. And this is like for me Miller Road. Okay. So when he when he actually gets drunk on set in that scene where he's screaming at the top of his lungs while he's in his underwear, the aftermath, there was only one shot of that scene. It's all one shot, but there was one moment during that shot where I saw his eyes where it actually looked right, where the, the despair that he felt that he's trying to convey looked accurate. So my dog died. LB's dog died. My dog died a few years ago and I had a moment like that but I didn't drink I, I found the dog dead and mm. it broke me and I repeated why <laughs> the word why so many times I knew that he was gonna die within that day and when he did I didn't know how to handle it and I screamed why 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 like that actually much more like it's crazier than Nick Cage but Nick Cage didn't come off genuine he just they just like got him drunk and had him go ah a lot it didn't seem real but this is the scene that so many people seem to latch on to and I don't need it to be completely real I know it's a movie but the scene that so many people latch on to in this movie as far as Nicolas Cage's acting is that scene and I'm like are you serious Mm. he's just screaming yeah yeah I don't really yeah, with Andrea Riceborough, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think she's given enough stuff to do because, like, it it almost turns into her with like into um like Mac Pixie Dream Girl, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, she's a hot, a hot like alt chick, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, what what else is there? And the deleted scenes like have more life. It's brief, but it's like, oh, she's a person too. But yes. in the movie, I I I don't get a sense of she's a person. Right. I get a sense of like. The hot, like, like weird girl. Yeah. Weird is correct. She doesn't blink for most of the movie. Yeah. She's not even weird charming. She's just weird. Like, like... Mute almost. Like, off-putting. Like, if you knew her, like... It'd be frustrating yeah, having a conversation frustrating, with her. Frustrating, yes. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's really unfortunate that he cut those scenes, because it really would have helped, helped the movie out a lot. I don't yeah. think it would have salvaged the movie entirely. Right. It's goodwill that he cut. Uh-huh. He gave those characters goodwill. He gave us a, a means to connect to them. Uh-huh. And, sometimes, and some, then he cut it out. Sometimes that's all you need, though. It's just it's tiny, tiny character details like that that you know yeah. helps you just relate. It's, I'm sorry, I can't relate to this story. I have a yeah. ah. and like. Elby, yeah. you haven't gone on a quest after I got murdered by a Manson-like cult <laughs> no. to kill them and the biker gang that helped to kill no, me? No, I haven't. This ne- what? This never happened to me. I've gone on a quest for the very same thing about you. You have not. What the heck? You have not. Absolutely, I have. I've gone to, I went to Walmart twice last week. In the same day? In the same day. That, count, that I, counts. False equivalence. I guess, a little bit. Well, Walmart is kind of a cult, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, the cult, the cult leader guy Linus, forgot the last name. He's he's fine. <laughs> he, I like, mean, look, that's daring to to swing like that and be completely naked and yeah. um, as a character be ridiculed for his 
I guess, size, I guess. Maybe she seems to be a size queen, apparently. <laughs> were, you, were you reading that he was actually in a cult? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I read that. The, like, like, to me, it doesn't come off as cult until the end, where it's like, oh, they have a facility. Okay. Before, it just seems like weird white trash people hanging out together. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. No, but the actor, Linus, the actor, oh. he helped a cult. It's one of these... Um, enlightenment meditation type cults he moved to new york to be one of its directors like board of directors Hmm. yeah this is uh before he even did mandy so weird yes very weird he has in in the behind the scenes he's like "I, i i didn't really connect to this until talking with panos and seeing beyond the black rainbow i started getting into what the script actually had to say more about it and then he let me do what i was doing and finally he like connected fully with the character and i'm like really you were in a cult dude <laughs> like, <laughs> really i mean hmm. you weren't the cult leader necessarily it's one of those corporate sort of cult sort of things oh. but a cult but, nonetheless yeah. but the other cult people like the only notable things are, like the the dudes all kind of look like messed up clones of Chris Elliott. Uh, at least, at least to me, it came off like kind of like Chris Elliott-ish. That's good. I get what you're saying. <laughs> and uh, the lady looks like Mick Garris. <laughs> what? Yes, she like does. Look, Mick Mick Garris adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Grandma yeah. lady. Okay, that's interesting. He he has a really interesting look. Mm-hmm. They used it in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our dog. Okay, so speaking of things that are somewhat forgettable about Mandy, what do you think about the Cheddar Goblin? Oh, right. I did actually totally forget about it. Hmm. It's, cheddar Goblin, what do you think? It feels like a, like a trendy SNL thing, which was like, it, it's amusing, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> People. That was also another deleted scene that just went on too long. People <laughs> lost their minds about Cheddar Goblin when this movie came out. Like, that's all that I saw on social media was Cheddar Goblin, Cheddar Goblin, Cheddar Goblin. Like, Mondo's actual Cheddar Goblin box of Cheddar yeah. Goblin noodles. What is it called? Macaroni. <laughs> I forgot. See, I, I it's so forgettable I forgot that it was macaroni. Cheese noodles. <laughs> Cheese noodles. <laughs> That's how forgettable it is. No, um, it's, a, it's very, and I do believe this is accurate, it's very, I think it was, sh- I think that stuff was probably shot in Atlanta. It's very Adult Swim, and I think a dude who was working with Adult Swim actually created that short. Yeah, I, th- I believe it was the Too Many Cooks oh. uh, person or someone who it, worked on that. Yeah, might have been. Mm-hmm. But I like Too Many Cooks. Yeah, I can get down with that thing. Well, I would like Cheddar Goblin if it wasn't in the middle of this movie. Like, it just really does not feel appropriate, like to the to the tone of this film. So you said you didn't grow up in that. In the 80s at that point. Uh, LB did a bit, uh-huh. and I definitely did, but I was... So 80... If the, What what year was this? So Reagan talking? Mm-hmm. Was this 82, uh, 83, 85? Uh, yeah, apparently it's 83. 83. Hmm, okay. He loves the year 1983. I was still in Europe at the time, but I still remember seeing some American culture stuff. Commercials mm-hmm. back then didn't really have a mascot for craft cheese and macaroni-like stuff. They didn't do that, but they did that definitely for cereal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they did Cheddar Goblin instead of just making up some horrible cereal that they could throw a monster on. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would have been better. That yeah. would have been a bit more realistic or like more um, grounded to the time period. Like, I, however, I, when he's watching it, he's watching it at night, which doesn't yeah. make any sense. Either. I I have a hard time. Yeah. Or maybe. Oh. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, or maybe if they had like an actual prop of it in the house, it would uh-huh. work better. Cause like in night and uh, Nightmare Two, the the game one. They have the Fu Manchu cereal mm-hmm. hanging out in the background. It's like, what's going on here? It's like, whatever. It's like, it, it, but it fits. It, okay, so like the box of macaroni. Yeah, and cheese. Maybe they, they that's have, what they should have been making in that scene that they got cut out. <laughs> yeah, the cooking yeah. scene, yeah. They were making sausages, but anyway. Yeah, um, I have a hard time like reconciling like why that whole bit is in the movie. So he comes home after the whole ordeal. He is able to get out of his barbed wire and and everything and that's when he comes home and he's like dealing with what has just happened this horrible thing that just happened and when he walks through the door he just stops and he's staring at the tv which i guess has been left on for how many ever hours days the cheddar goblin commercial is on and i don't know if it's supposed to like symbolize his catharsis of just like him just staring at the tv now and this like absurd thing is on like Mm. i just like i don't if it is that i don't think it really works because it's so such an abrupt change in the film like in tone and everything like it could have just been like now he's he's watching this just completely normal thing it's like cardi b in fast nine it doesn't belong (laughs) right right it takes you out Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't really get the Cheddar Goblin thing. Neither. Other do than I. it's kind of funny yeah, on like, its own. Yeah, like the like the overall plot is generic, but I don't mind a generic plot as long as like there's good character work and good scenes and stuff. Like, See, it doesn't have any of the good character yeah. work. It yeah, has I know. Great visuals. That's like that's a, the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a that's, movie I love that uh, that's generic is um I saw for the first time this year the Young Girls of uh, Rochefort. Mm-hmm. Which is a very like generic fifties uh, Hollywood musical, yeah. but done in France in the sixties. It's the plot is like straight up like Hollywood musical, mm-hmm. down to like full of like references and stuff. But the characters and songs are so lively and, and well put together. It's like it, it works, and it, it does, and, I, and it doesn't matter that the plot is so generic. Uh-huh. In which the next movie we're going to talk about is also a, a generic plot, but like there's so much other stuff thrown into the mix where where it's like it doesn't the, the genericness doesn't hurt it the genericness is like yeah it's just like a stock action movie plot that that people knew how to make into a good story so mandy there's a metal motif which is that like a third of the way movie through the movie it then finally comes off the screen it says mandy but in this metal handwriting or, or scrawl like a 14 year old drew it in his notepad which i is, think that's the uh, I, used, I used to be in Death Hall Bands. It's like, call it, I think, a splatter logo. I think that's yeah. the term. Oh, like really? That's, that's the term. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a name for it, and I've always hated those logos because half the time I can't understand what it is. Can't read it. It's supposed to look also symmetrical in a way, but then it's supposed to actually be the actual letters and characters. So there's the, the heavy metal thing. You like certain heavy metal acts and stuff i can't get yeah. into them i i couldn't so when i disagree with you on this it's nothing personal uh mm-hmm. i don't like it i don't like the aesthetic i find all the badass you know 14 year old angst kid scrawl like that i find it to be really eye roll i just eye roll 
I I rolled back then too at it when I was 14. So I've just never been with it. I've been with the hip hop stuff though. Yeah. But not the metal. Yeah, the thing for me with metal was I played cello for 10 years. I'm trained in classical. Well, I guess I'm classically trained. I am trained in classical music, so I guess that's what that means. I was never that good. Then I played bass guitar for a while, and I I didn't like playing like simple things. So like punk and alternative stuff was too and it was too simplistic mm-hmm. and so like that got me into metal as a, a, the challenge of like oh they play fast like technical so like mm-hmm. i want to okay like it's more fun to play and that's that was my gateway into it and uh no, like completely understandable yeah. yeah the stuff that keeps me away from it is all the hair metal stuff mm-hmm. and my my big brother was a hair metal guy and there was just too much of that around it's uh yeah, yeah hair metal i don't mess with it's kind of too same yeah. it's well, very douchey yeah uh Not, yeah so there's well, all ever, kinds yeah. of stuff to it that i i just don't like there was a band called scatterbrained which mm-hmm. would be uh they're metal but they also do punk and they also do they kind of like make fun of metal like a metal parody band they have a song yeah. called don't call me dude and the thing is, these guys are incredibly accomplished metal guys with the hair bands and stuff, but they all left their hair bands and joined Scatterbrained to make fun of metal. And I can get with that. So yeah. You might like Steel Panther, but they started as like a parody of like the 80s hair metal stuff, but then it kind of got, um, their joke got old. But like the, like the first one is kind of pretty decent. Hmm. So the metal motif in this film, it's obvious. It's right there. But there's no music like that except, I guess, King Crimson. But that wasn't very raucous no, or anything. No, that's, like, that's, like that's like cr- closer to Rush mm-hmm. and yeah. not like Metallica, which is like, I, I don't know. Like The influences in this movie are, are confounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's also this, uh, when he's chasing down all the bad guys, he goes after the Hellraiser bikers. Which, in the first viewing of this, I found them to be just bikers. That's it? And they weren't that ferocious or anything. And he took them down rather easily. In this version, or this second watching, it was like I watched a different version of the film. And I didn't. It was the same movie. And it seemed that they were a bit tougher than I recalled. Yeah. My favorite moment in the whole movie is the the biker watching porn with, like, the knife penis. Yeah, like, what's that? He watched Seven and was like, yeah. (laughs) Let's have a guy with the bladed wang. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, well, really, he confessed. Maybe not a confession, but he admitted in the behind the scenes that he this is like a like a blender full of all these things that he loved in movies that he was not allowed to watch as a youth. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah. Seven came out in the late 90s. He could have watched it back then. That's true. But, so, uh... And it, like this comes off to me kind of like Streets of Fire, where it's like this a mix of things of kind of like thrown together that doesn't ultimately work. But Streets of Fire ha- has a couple characters that are likable, except for Michael Perry because he kind of sucks the life out of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Rick Moranis. Oh, I, I like him too. Just like Michael Perry as a lead is like, why? <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst thing about the whole movie. <laughs> So then, the chainsaw battle. What do you think of the the length of the villain's chainsaw? Uh, no, it's like by this point, I'm I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're like, I acknowledge there's a chainsaw. 
Let me sleep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he has a very long chainsaw. Okay, and Nick has a little chainsaw that won't start. Okay, penis metaphor. Got it. <laughs> but, uh, I wasn't trying to do the penis metaphor. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, but the it's an obscenely long chainsaw. Yeah. It kind of doesn't make sense. Are there chainsaws that long? I don't... <laughs> Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Whenever I, I watch a movie with like a with, with swords or like a blade weapon, with a lot of samurai movies, like you'll see like a, a samurai with like a really long sword. It's like, oh, he he's macho and has a big penis, aka, AKA sword. And so like, because I I have a separate blog on Japanese movies, I just see that so much. I, I automatically jump to that with like any bladed weapon of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is kind of obvious now that you say it it's just too too dumb but i don't mind how that scene was done except for when the guy gets killed at the very end uh i just how did he fall on it in what way did he fall it wasn't clear they just have him laying on the ground and then blood spurting out of him but he's still supposed to be on the chainsaw but you don't see the chainsaw at all oh it doesn't matter i know but this is the thing i think about helby yeah you're picky you're nitpicky uh, I guess so. No, I, I lean towards that a little bit because, like, a movie I don't uh, like as much as like when I was younger. Hostel has a great chainsaw uh, slip where a guy falls on his own chainsaw and his leg gets cut off, and like it's very clear you get to see it. But here it's like, okay, well, uh, I guess Nick tripped him. I don't know yeah. what happened. But where's the chainsaw in the scene? That's that's the what thing. I'm trying to figure. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I, it's I, in his so back, I, I, I guess. Think well, no, I think he made of fell on it face down, but like lengthwise, so it's uh, along the length of his body, mm. because it's very long, so it's under him. Well, I don't think that entire scene anyway. is um, choreographed very skillfully. Anyway, they didn't have a lot of time to do it, LB. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But I mean, if you're yeah. gonna, okay, so it seems like there's this movie is just made of, up of a series of things in which Panos or whomever thinks are cool Panos. or badass. Panos. It's all Panos. Okay. Like, all these things that he thinks are cool that he's, like, putting into his movie to make it a cool movie. Like, if you think something's really cool, like, take the time to, like, make it really, really cool. (laughs) Well, they did do that fine with the guy that he fought next to the car. And the the car that's on fire. Uh That scene was well choreographed for what they could do. And that was all done in one evening. And that's all they could do. That's decent. I understand that scene. The chainsaw scene, I want to know what happened at the end. I don't know. <laughs> um, so That reminds me. I don't even remember how this movie ends. Uh, you find get to see like the, the cult church place and it's like... Yeah, he burns it down. Yeah, it burns it down. And then the camera pans up and there's like two moons. We're on Tatooine, you said. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Of all things that you reference, Elby. <laughs> Star Wars. Get off this podcast. What? what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, do you have anything more to say about Mandy? Not really. People seem to like it, which, more power to them. I just, I don't like, with recent, like, big horror releases in general, I'm kind of like, it's, it, most of the time I'm kind of down the middle of like, well, it's fine, but I don't get all the hubbub over it but like i don't know maybe i'm just 
out of touch with with the cool kids. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. There's this contingency <laughs> that says you must like this because I am the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. There is only Zool. I don't know the reference. I mean, it's Ghostbusters, but I'm the gatekeeper, and I tell you what you're supposed to like. And I like everything except for that over there. But I like everything except for when you disagree with me. I like everything, and you better be positive about everything. Yeah, they like everything except for remakes, because the remakes are the worst thing to happen in the world, apparently. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, right? So there's a lot of this this uh, gatekeeping thing. And no, you're not wrong. Um, and people who tend to hyperbolize so much, I don't know if they're, actu- they're actually watching the movie. Or yeah. if they're trying to be first. Or if they actually are really... I know that I autopilot movies so much. I autopilot them so much. And I kind of... If I really, really like it, and I'm still autopiloting it, the next time I watch it, I'm going to either not like it as much or realize why I liked it the first time. This one, I liked it a little bit more, to be honest. I like it a little bit more, too, but I'm still not sold. Yeah, there's there's still a bunch of problems Mm -hmm. with it. I said this on What Did We Just Watch, my previous uh, podcast about weird movies. Beyond the Black Rainbow is a movie I love and hate all at once. Mm. And at the time, I said, I never, ever, ever have to see this movie ever again. And I welcome that. And then I bought it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So <laughs> I'm very complicated with Panos' work. Uh, I like it. And then, then I do not like it all at once. But um, you haven't seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, huh? Um, No, it's pretty. I'm curious about it, but I'm not in a rush to watch it's it. It's a sleep through. Right as well it's very ambient really cool synth synth music it's much better score than this but it still sends you to slumber it's a hazy night in 1983 wooden country jeez it's been like a day or so Mandy, you were so weird. Curious, curious girl from that store. You painted pictures like Julie and Horace. I had a dream, like a heavy metal magazine. You gave your love for free, for free. Mandy, 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 I can't let you go. All my life, you're haunting me. I love you so. Mandy, 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 I can't let you go. Life is crazy.
Spencer, what'd you think of that? It was something. Very well. There you go. That's accurate. There you go. This is as accurate as ever. So what's your alternate to Mandy? The movie that you don't like is now up against the movie that you do like, which is? The I Saw the Devil uh, from 2010, directed by my personal favorite Korean director, Kim Ji-woon. All right. I think I've seen just two movies that's this movie and good bad and the weird uh, uh well, i think it did bittersweet Love. oh no he no did... the sisters tale of two sisters oh yeah that's Saw the that one, one by him i don't i remember not liking that very much at the time same but, but i love kim ji woon because he's so versatile and like he never really does the same thing twice mm-hmm. And, like, uh, Good, Bad, Weird is super fun and ridiculous, but then he made I Saw Devil, which is, like, vile and grim. And it's, like, I love this, the sheer variety of what he what he does. It is very grim, I Saw the Devil, <laughs> like you said. Um, this was a first-time watch for me of that one, hmm. and um, it's pretty impressive. So I'm I'm glad that you suggested it because I I don't know, I mean I'm sure everyone would have seen it eventually at some point like given the opportunity like I'm not adverse to it obviously, but um I'm glad I did get the opportunity via you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, like I I first saw this because in college I went through a big uh, phase of watching Korean movies because uh-huh. um I first saw. Uh, old boy when I was when it first came to America so I would have been 15 because it took a couple of years to come here and I just kind of randomly saw it and uh, and I didn't watch it for a number of years in college I rewatched it and I went through this crazy phase of watching Korean movies all the time mm-hmm. and this was like the the big one that for me a big discovery that I tried to get my friends to watch uh-huh. 
I would describe it, and they'd be like, I want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, I can under- understand why it probably wouldn't be for everybody, like, like you said, like, compared to, like, some of his other films that are more fun or exciting or whatever, but, yeah. Elvin, yeah. you introduced me to a Korean film, which is actually a lot, uh, like this movie in a weird way, mm-hmm. called Save the Green Planet. Uh-huh. Do you remember? Yes. You saw that at the Bell Court in Nashville, uh-huh. and then you told me about it, and I was like, what are you talking about? And then I bought it, I think, or you bought it. Maybe. One of us bought it. Anyway, we have it, but that's about an alien, a guy who c- accuses a man of being an alien, and then he tries to torture him into confessing when and where the alien invasion is going to happen, and it's set up as a f- very wacky comedy, mm-hmm. except it's very grim at the same time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I think there's this uh, this vibe going on around this time, on this uh, yeah. ten year period in Korea, mm-hmm. maybe still going South Korea mm-hmm. uh, with these kinds of violence. Yeah, this violent movie is, stories. is really funny. Like I forgot all the jokes in it. Like uh, the guy he beats in the balls. I forgot how funny that oh, part right. was. <laughs> Jeez, funny? <laughs> that was funny. Holy crap. Like, sympathy for the villain. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Just the shot of his crotch getting obliterated. Yeah, but then, like, the doctors are like, oh, uh, oh yeah. he, he said he broke his balls. <laughs> and he- <laughs> yeah, the, the, all those cops talking <laughs> about what happened to him. Can he talk? I don't know. Yeah. So this movie is a revenge film, too, mm-hmm. right? That's the yes. link, is that this is a better made revenge film yeah so it's an equally generic plot but you get more character work it's a better produced movie Um, so what's the generic plot here then the last one was a cult kills a lady just for existing i guess and uh, this this one a a serial killer played by uh cho min sik who is the uh, odisu and old boy Mm -hmm. Uh, and I love the stunt casting of him being like, what if he's the worst human being he can possibly portray on mo- on on screen? <laughs> and like, he's like this uh, misogynistic, vile serial killer. Right. And he kills a wife of basically a, a secret service agent. And 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 uh, so Jarek Plaza, the agent, decides, well, I got to get my revenge because uh, this guy he killed my wife. He has a particular wife. set of skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so, you know right. what I like about this film is like immediately you care whether or not the the lady dies. Suspense is like set up immediately. The relationship between she and the the husband is set up immediately, and it's fiance. As, oh, okay, the fiance. You're right. Um, Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Um, and all it is is a simple phone call. You know, like they're on the phone because she's having car trouble. In the snow. In the snow. And you could tell that they really care about each other. And they're not even talking about anything um, that's... Like, they're having a very normal conversation. And yeah, and he starts to sing on the phone yeah. and gets embarrassed in front of his coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, he's, it's a he's cute thing. He's very sweet. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. It's sweet. Like, you can I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You want to establish this characters in as little time as possible. Just have them be cute with each mm-hmm. other. 
Screw the cynical jerks out there who are lonely and hate people who are cute. Whatever, cute is awesome. Just establish the cute. And he sings, and like you said, it's cute. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. And then he gets him bashful and all. Right. Yes. So it just, it really makes you care about them and like his mission afterwards, like after the horrible thing happens to her, after she's captured and, and is killed and he has to go you know get his revenge on the killer like you're behind him like you're fully behind him and like it's so simple yeah and um it's uh the lead uh i always forget his name but he's snake eyes in the gi joe movies mm-hmm. like he's one of the korean actors who really managed to uh make it in in hollywood uh-huh. and because uh, cho uh, cho means seek is in lucy that scar joe movie from like seven years ago or something yeah yeah but uh once i heard he's barely in it i was like nah i don't want to watch it if he's if he's not like the main villain <laughs> oh no that movie's fine it's okay it's under the stupid premise of the 10 percent of your brain is worked that's faulty information but sci-fi fun whatever yeah. you shouldn't skip it okay good action yeah but here, what I like about this, because also this isn't the first time watch for me, but this is a first time complete, because I got through when he first gets to him at the, the greenhouse, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that scene where he, he the he's about to murder that woman. And um, well, it, it's a it's a girl. She's a, a, a school girl, a high school, maybe high school girl. OK, well, he's about to murder her. And then our dude shows up and stops him and just breaks his wrist and all this stuff. That's as much as I ever remembered of this film. Hmm. I probably was streaming it at late at night on Amazon or something, and then I fell asleep. Not because the movie's boring, but because it's actually long. And watching movies that are long late at night tend to put me to sleep. Hmm. So, I was frustrated but appropriately so that the character wasn't just doing the job mm-hmm. wasn't he had so many opportunities to just do it yeah. <laughs> yeah. get the revenge but he kept on prolonging it because he was trying to torture him <laughs> like he's done so many times to so many people uh the villain has yeah. done yeah and this movie does the thing that i love in revenge movies and truck their korean revenge movies are like uh like 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 this are so big and operatic well old boy right yeah, Old Boy, and the the whole trilogy, which Old Boy is the worst one of that trilogy, which is, in my opinion, which is saying a lot, which because uh, th- that's the bad one, and the other two are, are I think, are damn near perfect. But gotcha. but like that and sympathy um, for Mister Vengeance and yes, Lady, Lady Vengeance. Vengeance. Yeah, Lady Vengeance is the best one of that, and, and oh yeah, Cho Cho means seek is also in that as uh, uh, I won't say, but he he is in it. Okay. <laughs> So what what's the what's the thing that the revenge movies do or your favorite thing that they do? Uh this one has a character who's like, Are you sure about this? It's father. Why are you doing this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Semi father in law, yeah. Yeah. But which, he's like, also he's the cop, right? And he gives him yeah. like the information that he needs. Yeah. So so it's complicated because he's like, Are you sure you want to do this? But I'm gonna help you do this <laughs> at first. Yeah. And like I and just having like one or two scenes of ha- having that question brought up is like for me important to like 
the morality of mm-hmm. uh, of a like of a movie like this, which is like this has been done to death. Like there are thousands of these movies out there, mm-hmm. but like the good ones do a good job of like because like I'll jump to the end because that's what the end it, it really it makes you really question like did you enjoy all that violence that, that happened mm-hmm. because uh people died and their families are affected by it mm-hmm. and you get this really complicated like emotional ending of like am i a bad person for enjoying this right. but i don't feel like like when watching braveheart or whatever where like that movie tries to guilt you into liking the violence and then mel gibson will pan out have a, a pan over the battlefield and it's like don't you feel sinful and bad about it but mm-hmm. this is like it does it in such a more graceful, simple way. Where it's like literally asking the main character, what kind of person are you? Or what kind of person do you yeah. want to be? Yeah, like, was was this all worth it in the end? Yeah. It's a rough one, especially since he goes after all these other suspects who are suspects for very good reason. Yeah. Uh, like you said, he, he smashes the balls of one guy. <laughs> They're all uh, sex assault guys. Yeah. Cannibals, dudes. Too. Yeah, okay, so that I didn't like that whole sequence which would be like the biker gang, I suppose, mm-hmm. analog where he's uh, where our villain is hanging out with the guy who has a taste for flesh and the guy's just constantly eating and there's a girl sitting there with him. I wasn't clear on who the girl was. Was she an accomplice? Or was she going to be the next meal? Um, I wasn't sure either. Okay. I, I figured she was an accomplice or just maybe his sister or something. Because yeah. they, they have a history. Because like, there's a whole political angle to this movie that I picked up on mm-hmm. this time. Where it's like, okay, I kind of want to look into like Korean politics okay. of, of the 2010 era to see like what they're exactly referring to. Because they talks about the serial killer and the cannibal were in a uh, extremist militant group. Yeah. To overthrow the government. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's clearly saying something. And you have, like, he's trying to get a ride. And the only ride he gets is a, is soldiers. And with a lot of these, like, Korean movies of this time, like, a lot of them are very political. It commenting on things that are, like, specifically Korean. But mm-hmm. it doesn't get in the way of the movie. That was interesting. They were part of a, some sort of militia analog to... Uh, some sort of right-wing militia group in America. Yeah. Overthrow the government. Yeah, so they're old pals that way. I don't know if they established how many years beforehand that was. But that guy, in his whole sequence, where he's like, I've got to go uh, prepare my next meal. And then he goes and grabs a woman from a cell. And I was like, oh, oh, he's what? How many is... <laughs> is this like an underground network of cannibals? <laughs> Elby, did this disturb you so much? Because you can't really handle too much cannibal stuff unless it's super fantastic, like uh, Hills Have Eyes or something. The remake. Um, no, this. I mean, this was okay. Uh, what I don't, I don't like the is that the idea of cannibalism really, really bothers me, and I don't like real life stories of cannibalism. I don't like seeing, you know, indigenous folks to like different, like like different areas of the world who cannibalism is part of their culture like i don't that stuff really disturbs me a lot but in seeing it in movies it's not mm. so bad or you know you know i mean like i can handle it hmm. you can yeah yeah so like uh going off like the parallels of mandy i saw devil like where like where mandy takes like 45 minutes or so to like for it to start like this starts pretty much immediately because you get like maybe like 20 to 30 minutes uh, of the relationship, the funeral, that's the like the body being discovered, and then it's like, then he's like, well, I have to go on a mission to get revenge, and it's like so mm-hmm. concise and so like, it doesn't 
feel forced. It's just like, this is just like a studio movie with like higher production, but so concise and so uh, precise with like everything. Even though like it's it's over two hours, but I don't feel a runtime. Like I, I was surprised mm-hmm. when it was when I got halfway through. Mm. Hmm. I felt the runtime, but I wasn't annoyed by it. Yeah. No. With Mandy, I was annoyed by how short it was for feeling so long. But that's Panos's style. I don't know how filmmakers can do this. They can make an hour and a half movie or maybe a two hour movie, but that two hour movie is gonna feel like two and a half to maybe three hours it's like why how i don't know how you can slow time down it's not because i'm really that engaged (laughs) yeah i mean seven samurai feels to me feels like a 90 minute movie and it's over three hours wow wow you know that was remade as battle beyond the stars yeah and and there's a remake with chuck bronson in the i think toshiro role oh you're talking about magnificent seven which was also remade thousands of times recently by Anton Fuqua <laughs> with Elijah Wood in the I don't remember the guy's name role. Hmm, I'm just goofing. I'm just goofing. <laughs> I was going to say, is Elijah in that? <laughs> not, not, uh, I, I meant Ethan Hawke, excuse me. I said Elijah Wood. I got Elijah yeah, Wood on the brain. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, I like Elijah Wood. He's a cool dude. What do you guys like about this movie? Like, I, 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 I unabashedly love this movie, and I don't have many issues or anything with it, because, like, but I also saw it at a particular time in my life, so, like, it also has, like, emotionally, it's, like, important to me. It's a formative film for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like dark stories sometimes, and it all depends on how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Like, Seven. I like Seven. I like how... Uh, the man's making art uh but a horrible horrible tale of brutality and messed up violence but uh it's art and it's done in a way that we haven't seen a serial killer movie ever be done before now that stuff's knocked off constantly after that it's like for tarantino doing the wisecrack sort of semi-anthology wise guy movies seven was knocked off plenty this isn't that though So the style doesn't go to that whole uh, intro collage, gritty style, you Mm -hmm. know, where the credits are just like this cool music video set the Nine Inch Nails. It's nothing like that. It's like you said, it's just very straightforward. But he has this confidence with his camera that I do like. And it's planned. And Mm -hmm. I do like that. It is cinematography wise. It's very normal, but it doesn't flinch from any of the violence, which is not normal for a, a western film anyway cut away always cut away including tarantino did that he cut away from the ear he had two shots cut the ear off and cut it away from the ear and cutting away from the ear for reservoir dogs made that scene more palpable the audience winced more when they tested it but here he doesn't give you a chance to you get your ball smashed with the villain who gets his ball smashed <laughs> yeah you see a man's face get beaten in with a dumbbell and yeah like, violence and film like maybe i'm messed up but like to, uh, to me it's like this is fake i can enjoy this on a like uh entertainment level right but like this movie has like the ball scene and the face scene are two moments that like i still have trouble sitting through and i've seen right? this movie like five or six times and like on-screen violence like if it's realistic well, like, this movie is kind of uh, fantastical in certain ways, but like mm-hmm. those two moments are just like so grisly and like it doesn't harp on it that long. It's like a brief couple seconds and it's matter like, and it's, of fact. 
Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think that plays into why I like the movie. Because is... you want to see you guys' balls get smashed and their faces <laughs> smashed. No. No. Okay. I, I like the brutality of it, but I really like how the villain in this movie is a straight up villain. Like, there's no qualms about his evil ways. Like, you know, we're in this um, kind of, uh, I don't know if to call it era, but we're in this time right now where villains need backstories and villains need to be, you know, have a human angle or like villains need to be relatable somehow. Maleficent. Yeah. Cruella. And, right. Anti-heroed. This... There's no way to right. make this guy an anti-hero. Right, exactly. Like there's no redeemable quality about him. He is a bad guy. Like he preys on young women and girls. You know, it's that um, sort of, uh, I guess, Asian fetish you know they have that the the young schoolgirl thing right yeah there's that there's the scene where he makes the girl strip and he's going to kill her but he gets interrupted by the um the hero of our story he's very misogynistic he's gross he also says this thing of like i can date you i could see if i wanted to i could do Uh that i could hang i could pursue you as a love interest if i wanted to that sort of thing i mean that's a paraphrase uh which is him reiterating something that he can't do because women don't want him so he's like an incel yeah he's he's overcompensating for um this power that he feels like he doesn't have because he doesn't really have but like then he like tries to overpower people you know so yeah that that can tie into the whole background his family which he has no connection with for he does have a son so this is weird he had a lady once and she got pregnant and had a kid yeah, She's and, no and you also and you also know like going to like his personality, like you could tie the extremist uh, political background into like maybe he joined like a super hardcore right wing, you know, militia, and because yeah. he felt like he he's disenfranchised or or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like when you fight fascism so hard that you become fascistic yourself, you know, like that sort of thing that could have happened. The, that's really I think is interesting is when we have a villain who's there's you know it goes back to the the american western movie approach the black hat yeah black hat so this guy is the black hat and there's no questions about how evil he is so you don't exactly feel bad when he gets killed eventually right right i mean you might feel bad for his family like that was a really messed up thing actually (laughs) really messed up like the his one weakness is his family. You're never uh, really sure why. Yeah. There's no like something happened and like the like the only people that can really get to him are his son and his parents. Mm-hmm. Well, his dad's kind of a dick. Way. Yeah. So it's so so. Here's the thing that that is so, and it's actually the thought provoking part of the film. Like when his parents inadvertently kill him, our hero did that, set it up, knowing that they would come by. He had them come by, and he set it up because this villain tried to destroy his own family mm-hmm. and partially succeeded. So he's now going to make them suffer? So he's no he's not no better. He's a little bit better than the villain, but he does something so destructive, honestly. That's traumatic, mm-hmm. setting it up that way that they'll... And that's the thing, like, these movies, like, a, a bad revenge movie will try to do, like, well, is a hero just as bad? And it feels like bullshit. Uh, but like here, it's like, it feels so organic. And it's like, at the end of the movie, it's like, 
Well, the hero is not a hero at all, because like he he has given the, that kid years of trauma, and that kid will turn mm-hmm. out potentially like his dad, who he saw murdered. For all for right. all we know, if we're right. going Tra- by the Dexter trauma theory, yeah, yeah, yeah. you might trauma develop begets a, trauma, right? A proclivity for severing heads. Yeah, that's that's the roughness of this film, and so this isn't entertainment to, to take lightly. <laughs> yeah, by any means. That's part of the brilliance of the ending, where it's like. Hey, wasn't like hey, remember all that fun violence? Well, it wasn't that fun. Yeah, Mandy has none of that. <laughs> no, it, it, it fully embraces like this is wacky, silly fun. Was like what? What makes a revenge movie for me work? Is this like the element of like this? Like okay, what? What about the aftermath of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I won't even call it like like this movie has a moral out like uh, of good or bad. Is this like that's the ambiguity? Like, yeah. Like, uh, there's no moralizing of, like, well, I don't know where I'm going with this. But, like, I just like that on, on paper, this is a simplistic, like, the serial killer kills, age kills, like, a, kills a woman, the man gets revenge. But it, this pulls off everything so well and so professional and so slick. And, it's, and, and the action scenes, like, the hand-to-hand stuff is really exciting to sit through. And you get, like, these great, like, like action scenes, and you get this great horror and gore, and then... I don't know. Like, it, like I just love everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about the movie that you love? It's a don't. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> thank you for laughing. Because <laughs> that's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just love. I just love movies. You know. <laughs> oh my god! Help me! <laughs> no, <laughs> man. People love movies. Movies are important. Impotent. <laughs> they are important. Yeah. We watched this. Reminded me that. Uh, this was a thing that got me out of my Takashi Miike phase that I haven't really gone back to. Can I watch huh. like 20 of his movies in a year? And after that, I was like, I don't need did to you watch, watch more. Did you watch the 20 movies that he made in that year? <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched almost all his quote-unquote extreme movies that I kind of can't sit through anymore. Cause I have not seen it, Gozu. It, I'm interested. I, uh, that's the one, like extreme one I can still sit through but each of the killer okay, like in Visitor Q I, I kind of find boring and then yeah when I don't I was think 19, Visitor Q is any interesting yeah when I was 19 it's like this is amazing but now I'm 30 it's like I don't want to watch that anymore <laughs> okay. which like Terraformers I, I have and I, I'm huh. very interested in seeing Terraformers I saw some of it online but yeah yeah but like the game like watching this and the other Korean movies got me out of like that Takashi Miike phase which his movies are very hit or miss and I'm kind of more of a mess if I'm being honest and like this I don't know that's it just like when you when you make that many movies I made the joke 20 movies that he made in a year (laughs) when you make that many movies as much as he does there's gonna be a lot of misses yeah 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 I I always lean towards the like the weird ones like this high school movie he Miike did called Crow's Zero where like I think it's like two gangs fight each other in a school and there's like a weird CG scene of like uh I kind of school roof or what happens but like I remember being just really noticeable CG but like I, I kind of lean towards like his more like weirder stuff that no one really talks about mm. yeah. and like his, and his like family friendly stuff is like kind of has a, a kooky energy to it sometimes yeah yeah we used to play a video game that had some characters lb used to kick my butt tatsunoko versus snk one of those cartoons was actually made into a live action film cartoons anime okay shut up <laughs> by Mike and i forget yata yataman 
that's what it is. Yataban. Mm-hmm. And LB used to kick my butt with those guys <laughs> all the time back when the Wii was around. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend got me a Nintendo Wii for Valentine's Day so I can play uh, the Metroid games. Huh. Because they're not works. on. Yeah. Because they're not on the Switch. And they haven't yeah. been um, remastered yet. So. Right. Uh, that is the only way to play Metroid Prime series now. That's probably oh. the best fighting game that we've played better than the street yeah. fighter ones honestly yeah it was super fun yeah, yeah a I want game. lb used to kick my butt mm-hmm. and i'm a button masher and that's not fair to a lot of people because i just randomly hit everything and they're like what are you doing you're killing me and i don't know what i'm doing you know why is because the the wii mode is like the old nes controller it's your hand size and not mine that, that it's my hand size it's buttons that i'm familiar with because like i never played anything beyond nes i may not until, be john cena but i have very big hands <laughs> john no. cena's hands trump mine but uh i have big hands so oh yeah the wiimote i don't like because it's too small i feel like I yeah feel like it's, it's perfect for, for she's like <laughs> yeah it is perfect for me little hands little hands big heart um so mm-hmm. we've been getting into sion sonos lately mm-hmm. he's another strange uh japanese director so yeah. i th- I've think only he's more s- interesting than mike oh definitely I- i've only seen um cold fish which i, I remember liking it's a serial killer movie. I think it's based on a real case. And anti-porno, which I kind of love. Which, if you're into, like, the Nikatsu Roman porno stuff. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in anti-porno. I yeah, saw some that, clips, and it's very colorful, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating movie, but, like, I don't know how well it works if you're not familiar with, like, the history of the Roman porno and, like, what... I'm familiar with And it. what those were. Yeah. Yes. Nikatsu and Pinky movies and Pinky. Yeah, it's totally comment. And, yeah. Yeah, commenting all, on all that stuff and. Uh, Guilty of Romance. Yeah. That's another one that's a serial killer story. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I welcome the serial killer story. Uh, I am not adverse to it. It's just when it's done really well. And like with this movie, I yeah. saw the devil. Yeah. yeah. I, I like yeah. it. Uh, it is long, though. So it's like a set a day aside. And if you have dogs. Or animals, you're gonna have to pause and interrupt that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just realized I really I tend to like serial killer movies now. But like, cause like <laughs> one of my favorite movies of the last few years, which is uh, a movie that well, I guess some people on film Twitter will cancel me for saying this is a uh, house that Jack built. Oh, which yeah, I, I think like, that we like that one a lot too. Yeah, yeah we, I thought it was <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious and like really effective. What's yeah. trying to say? I love how it just takes a turn and it goes like now we're in fantasy world and like <laughs> we are wait where did yeah. the ha- okay fine fine yeah the end of I, I considered picking a uh, house that Jack built as a counterpoint but oh, I okay. but, but I was a little concerned like oh, I don't know if these people are going to be weird about me bringing no. up Lars Van Trier Dude. Uh, <laughs> no, okay, never. here's what we'll be weird about. A mm-hmm. Serbian film. Not going to do it. Not going to touch it. Not going to watch it. Not, nope. Not going to go near it. I, I did a graphic for it that I'm waiting. We're going to publish an article maybe about it, but uh, I'm not going to do anything beyond that. Okay. At the time when um, House at Jackal came out, I forgot who I was talking to, but I said, like, oh, the end of that is what Mandy should have been. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. So you got a couple of preferreds over... All right, you sneaky. You sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> yeah. All right. House of Jack built and I saw the devil. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's more just like the last, the end of 
House of Jackville. Right. Which, yeah, but uh, my favorite part of House is the cut to the credits, and like he trolls the audience in the most delightful way, if you remember. The song he picks uh, for the credits. What's the song? A Hit the Road Jack. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I really don't mind uh, Lars von Trier. I really don't. Like, I, I know a lot of women do not like him at all, but I'm fine with it. Yeah. Maybe that makes me a bad person. Yeah, whatever. I still watch Roman Polanski movies and shit, so it doesn't. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure someone will tell me I'm a bad person for still watching like the Tenet. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know. I, I know we barely got into how, uh, I saw the devil, but like, but like that's one of those movies that like it that just leads me into so many other things to, to talk about. In addition to being like a brilliant movie that like I like, I think I love it too much to really fully like dissect it on a certain level. But still, it's just um, uh, thank you guys for giving me an excuse to rewatch it after like eight years of. <laughs> No, I, I <laughs> bought the thing because you suggested it. So I was like, yeah, it's not available streaming right now. I'm going to get it. And I'm happy that I got it. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and if anyone's on the fence about it, it's also like, j- just watch the first hour. And after the first hour, you're you're too disgusted or too bored ever. You can bail. Because after the first <laughs> hour, it just amplifies even more. That's true. Yep. But hey, people do. They sit down and they stream full seasons of things in a day. They can sit down and watch a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. You can just pause it at certain points and act like that was a episode. Then press pause again or play. And that's the next episode. Yeah. They can do yeah. it. They can handle it. Yeah. Uh, I'll feel bad if I don't bring it up. But my favorite joke in the movie is when the cannibal guy uh, tries to pull a knife out of his hand but he pulls out the knife handle and the knife is still stuck in his hand <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done that but not just just the knife handle <laughs> not like, in my hand you... not stabbed through me <laughs> we have a faulty knife LV I forgot to tell you oh. <laughs> it's true so yeah uh, one of the knives we have uh, my girlfriend's dad what, is retired military and uh, he did something with airplanes and uh the Air Force One sells off old stuff they're getting rid of, and so we have uh, I think a, a a bread knife from Air Force One that would have been Ooh. from like I want to say maybe Bush One or maybe early Clinton. Mm-hmm. But yeah, is it is it like an heirloom now? Is it do you have um, like a no, velvet you, backing for? Oh, you use it? Okay, yeah, we use it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, it's not worth anything now. It's yeah, been used. <laughs> I like the idea of Air Force One knife. <laughs> Really? Yeah, apparently they you can buy if you're military you can buy old Air Force One stuff. Weird, Andrew, yeah. talk to your dad. <laughs> Get you, your dad what do you to want? buy you some president you, stuff. Do you want it like a cushion for your yeah, seat? Yeah, I do. I want everything. Give, give me the the decanter <laughs> of whiskey from Air Force One, please. Okay, I don't think my dad would do that thing. Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. That's that's alcohol and that's bad. <laughs> All right, Spencer, I appreciate you being on the show, telling us about your feelings and thoughts about these two movies that I absolutely forgot I didn't. Mandy and I Saw the Devil. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Yes, it was a really good time. Yeah, and you two, well, well Andrew, you can jump on, but uh, LB, you're going to be on a couple more episodes of uh, my show. One will be uh, our traditional Richard Gear episode we have to do every season. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're doing Breathless? Yep, because our, our our past two seasons, one on Kurosawa, one Spike Lee, um, every time a uh, Richard Gear movie organically fits into the schedule somehow. Hmm. 
Weird. Yeah. There's a cur- uh, one of the last Kurosawa's has Richard Gere as a half Japanese man. Oh, right. Yeah, which, I don't know. I, I don't feel weird about it because it works, but it huh. is kind of weird to have him in it. Yeah. But, uh. I only yeah, recently heard about that. It's a good movie. It's unfairly yeah, uh, forgotten. Probably I'm, heard of it from your Twitter feed. Maybe. I feel maybe. like I'm the one big defender of that one Kurosawa. Mandy, 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 where have you gone, my dear? That's not how the lyrics go, and you know it. Oh, well. What the heck? You just performed (laughs) that, and you're getting the lyrics wrong. I never learned the words. That's apparent. So, that karaoke notwithstanding, uh, how about that episode there, LB? I, I um, appreciate that episode a lot. I'm glad I got the opportunity to watch I Saw the Devil because I hadn't seen it yet and it was really cool. Yeah, like I said in the show, I believe I only saw like a third of it and then I stopped because I, I think I wanted to watch it with you, but then it just went away from streaming services. So, we've got the Blu-ray now and actually just thinking about it as I was editing this show mm-hmm. and listening to the conversation, it's a very compelling film it's just i do want to watch it again you know mandy on the other hand i don't necessarily not want to watch it again Mm -hmm. but i don't need to Um, I mean, I don't need to rewatch any of these movies, but like the draw to want to watch a movie. The reason why I got Mandy in the first place was actually not related to this episode. I just got it because I did have the pull. I did think that I was going to want to watch it again. And I did, but I've seen it twice now. And maybe I don't need to see it again to be fulfilled (laughs) by it and have my mind made up about it. Right. Because I I now don't have, I don't hate the film. I just don't love it. (laughs) Well, Spencer hates it. And that's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. No, but this whole thing, <laughs> my first impression was like I hated it. Yeah. And now I don't, but I, I don't really like it either, necessarily. You hate it less? Much less. <laughs> but I actually like... I, I saw the devil a lot. Yeah. Well, you should uh, check Spencer out on his various internet homes, I guess. You can follow him on Twitter. It is at Piano Player Pod at the moment. I'm sure that next time he changes his subject for his podcast, that might be different. But yeah, just check out Shoot the Piano Player uh, for its new wave podcast. You can also check Spencer out on his blogs. He has a couple of really interesting blogs going on. One is focused on Japanese cult cinema that is called Jailhouse 701. You can go search for that. Also, he does a a blog where he is this this is a thing where he like heavily researches because it's about African history that most people uh, on our side of the planet don't really know too much about and that is called Red, Black, and Green Celebration of African History. Both of those I think are on Blogspot but you can check the links in our episode description here and be sure to check those out. Spencer's a good writer and I'm hoping to welcome him into the Grumfire family at some time soon so (laughs) yeah i hope so too yeah (laughs) yeah spencer's fun yeah he's cool dude yes he is well thanks for listening everybody and uh, we'll be back soon with another episode i'm sure who knows what will be the love and what will be the hate right or vice versa i kind of have an idea oh 